Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, welcome in everyone. Of course, it's Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. At Red Sox CLNS is the coverage for the network. Don't forget to follow the new handle or the rebranded handle on Twitter. Uh, our show is still Red Sox Beat Podcast on Facebook. Go to iTunes, do it, rate, review, subscribe. The team's hot right now, guys. They're hot. And you want to make sure that every time we put a pump up a new show, uh, we go right to your phone. So definitely go on and subscribe as well. At CLNS Media is the network. Uh, Just Thomas alongside Jared Scally. Um, this is going to be the norm moving forward. Um, if those of you don't know, we never really formally announced this on this show, but uh, Lauren did accept a job at the wonderful world of Nesson, uh, being a content editor. So we're obviously really proud of her full-time in the, in the business, um, but that means she can no longer be on this show. Lovely conflict of interest and all that good stuff. So um, it is back to the good old days. Myself and Jess Thomas doing Red Sox beat two-man in game uh, full-time, but no, we are very happy for Lauren Jess, and uh, obviously it's her career, and we have to accept that. So I guess at this point, we just got to hope that people liked the show before, too. Yeah, really. Whoever, whoever <laughs> listened from Lauren, get. I promise it's going to be just as good without her. And she's we'll going to retweet bad. everything anyway, so like, just keep stay tuned. And I'm hoping you guys all are here for the great coverage and the great content. And just, Lauren aside, this team is still phenomenal. Uh, they're going to hopefully end April with 21 wins. Uh, they're the first team to 20 after beating the Rays today on Sunday as after we record this show. So that's awesome. Going after the best start in franchise uh, history in the first month uh, if they win tomorrow as well. So just a lot going right with this team. And even with the little bumps here and there, we obviously expected those. I still don't have many complaints right now um, because they're the best team. They're the best team in baseball. That's the glorious thing about getting off to a 17-2 and start. You can go, you know, 2-3 and or three and three and five over an eight game span and still have 27 record and still be better than everybody else so that was great to start with um it's pretty exciting that it can be the best april ever in terms of franchise history because as you know this is a uh, a rich history and a long time of history for this franchise mm-hmm. so to do that it would be uh, it would be 19 wins in april because as we know the season started on march 29th so they did get two wins in march as well so 19 wins would be the best April ever. They're tied with it right now with 18. So we'll watch for that on Monday. Um, and no, I'm not discouraged either for the sole reason that um, five of the six games that the team had this week were one-run games. Yeah, you know, some wins, some way. losses. Oh, yeah. Right. So they were all close. It's not like they lost 10-2 to two for three straight games. So that's why I feel okay about it because if you're going to lose, one-run game is the closest way to do it. So it's not 
not anything to fret about. Yeah. Biggest thing why this team has really been winning um, is all April is the pitching. Um, offense has been hot and cold and starting to be a little bit cold lately. We'll talk about that. But um, right now, like the biggest thing, obviously, sales being sale. As advertised, as always. Uh, David Price is being David Price, advertised, as always. And hopefully he sums out of it. But um, he's been off to, in a rock, rocky start. We'll get to him. But Rick Porcello right now, Jess, has been the guy that, you know, we, and we talked about this, and I mentioned this, obviously, too, on the show. It's that Rick Porcello's third slot in the rotation is very important. He, If you want to be a dominant rotation, yeah, you have Erod. Pomeranz is there. Um, but that third spot, Porcello, if he's even close to what he was um, when he won the Cy Young, then he's that. That's where this rotation is going to succeed, and you saw it. Um, they the team has won 25 straight games right now. When Porcel has three runs or more, um, he's been flawless all year for the most part. A couple hiccups here and there, one off innings, but you know, stacking up the wins looked good. He pitched again uh, in this series, and just Rick Porcello. And I know you love you love you some Rick Porcello. Um, this guy is the cog that going to help keep the, the rotation going because if it's just Salem Price, then there's no bridge to the guys at the bottom of the rotation. This guy right now, Rick Porcello, has really been um, what we expected him to be if healthy. And it's not, it seems like he's healthy. It seems like he's in the right mindset and he's putting last year behind him. Yeah, exactly. I love me all my Rick Porcello. And uh, he's been a lot better than Price so far. And we'll get to Price too. But yeah. I mean, he's 4-0 and with a 2.23 ERA. He finally got up his first home run today in six starts and as we know and me and lauren talked about a lot last week he led the league in home runs allowed last year with 38 and he'd given up zero through five starts so that's a huge difference and that's awesome because you know that was that was what played him that's why he gave up so many runs as he gave up the long ball so he's not doing that his control is impeccable he has four walks and 38 strikeouts which is just fantastic and i mean really this he won Cy Young two years ago. He's been better this year so far. You know, he was 22-4 and four that year, but he's pitching even better. His control's better. He's given up less home runs because he still gave up a lot of home runs two years ago, yep. even winning the Cy Young. Yep. So he is absolutely rolling. He's going deep into games. He's pitched four and a third innings already, which is the most on the team. So, I mean, this guy, I've been a huge fan since he got here, even with his two horrible seasons. So it's thrilling for me because, you know, you read a lot of people. I'm sure you read this too. Even though I know you've liked him too, a lot of people were saying there's no way he's ever having a season like he did two years ago. That was a fluke. He's not that good. He's had a lot of good seasons in the majors. He's had a lot of 13, 14 win seasons, yep. and then he won Cy Young, and now he's off to this start. I think this guy's better than people think he is. Yeah, and I think it's more of you know over time he got better, and I think now it, there's less pressure on him here because he's the third guy in Detroit when they were winning. You know, he was the third guy, but like how consistent was Verlander and Scherzer? You know. You don't really know, and then um, I think here there's a lot less pressure because there's so much pressure on Salem Price, especially Price. Um, I think he can just show up and pitch, and at this point, people expect him to do it, but at the same time, they're not going to hammer as much as they will hammer David Price um, because that's just the way it's been. Well, it's funny, too, with him because, like, if, if you win Cy Young two years ago, not as the ace, because as we know, he was not the ace two years ago, and now he's not the ace this year. How many guys have won the Cy Young twice? Not, I mean, obviously, the season's very young here, but just yeah. See, now you're, Cy, you're just going to hand him the Cy Young, okay? <laughs> hypothetically, saying he wins the Cy Young because if the season ended today, he'd be right up there, top candidate. Um, so, if he does happen to win two Cy Youngs out of three years, neither as the top starter or even necessarily the second starter, I bet that's never happened before. I mean, this guy's doing historic things. Yeah, and I, I, I I'm curious to see how he continues this, and I think. I think it's very important that he does because 
him being successful and him being able to go later into game seventh, eighth innings, whatever you ha- whatever you want to go, kind of go down that route. Um, the nights he pitches saves bullpen arms because if, mm-hmm. if the Red Sox are serious about Chris Sale not pitching as much, right, not going in deep as game, saving him. If David Price isn't going to be a hundred percent on his game every time, you don't know what you're going to get from Pomerantz, which I'll touch to in a minute because there's a topic there I want to get to. Erod's pitching okay, but like if you really want to save your top end guys. It's very important that Rick Porcello goes seven innings, six, seven, even eight innings times because this bullpen's going to get taxed, and we know the back end of this bullpen does have some problems. And that was the best part about Porcello's Cy Young season is that he always went six or more innings, every time almost. He had like one start that he didn't. And then last year, too, even though he didn't pitch as well, he still went deep into games every time, and he's doing the same thing again. And that's the reason that they've won 25 straight games with giving him three or more run support because he doesn't give up leads. If yep. they get him a lead... He pitches deep into the game, and he goes on cruise control, and he doesn't give up runs. It happens every time. Someday people are going to realize that he does this and actually realize he's a legit pitcher. And I'm saying it because I want people to know this because people still bash him, and it drives me insane. And it seems to be with the Rick Porcello MO, it's if I get down early, I'm screwed because um, most of his bad innings are usually the first or second innings, usually the first. He's not great out the shoot, but once he gets going and if he has a lead, you're keeping the lead like you're saying. It's just, he, has hard, he has a hard time pitching from behind. And that's, I think that's how he's really been his whole career. Um, but this offense is good enough to pick him up. And, you know, we're looking at a guy who can, might get a lot of run support this year because um, when the pitchers pitch well this year, it seems like the offense kind of has flown off of that um, and really fed off of that. Well, the good news for him, too, is that when he does give up runs early, since he does go deep into games, it allows the offense to continue to get hits. You know, if they're able to back him up and get back into the game, they can still win that game because he doesn't he doesn't give up runs after that. So, you know, just a little offense for him is all he needs. Yeah, even if he, he gives even, even if he gives up like two three runs in the first inning, yeah, that's not good. That's terrible. We don't want that to happen. But if he stays in long enough and can stay consistent and level it out, and the offense scores th- two three four runs, then you're either at least in the run for a no, uh, win or a no decision. And now your late game pitching can hopefully help in the seventh eighth ninth innings, whatever whatever have you. But if you suck the first three, four innings and your offense can't pick you up, then you're, that's, that's the recipe for disaster. And we're seeing that with Price. We're seeing that. We saw that with Rick Porcello last year when he struggled at times. The earlier this offense picks him, picks him up, the better off he is. And it's all mental with Porcello. But at this point, whatever it takes, just get this guy to keep pitching the way he's pitching. Right. I mean, it happened today. He gave up a couple of runs early, and then the offense got a couple of runs back, and he ended up getting a no decision and going deep into the game. Exactly. So, Case in I mean, point. It's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. What so he did. Rick Porcello, Cog, and then that three spot. But David Price slotted sure. the two right now. Hasn't been good. You know, five runs last start, four the uh, the start before that. Hasn't been great with 14 walks. Um, Price and Pomerantz right now, no, it's obvious. They've been the two worst pitchers. I'll talk to Pomerantz in a second because there's a report out there that he might be tipping his pitches. Um, and that's a question as well. But with David Price... Was the, were those early flashes just just because of who he was playing against, because it was Tampa? Um, is this more of what we're going to see again this year, or, or what is going on with David Price? Because I honestly think it's more of it, he's going to work it out, he's going to pitch fine, he'll be a number two starter this year the way he's supposed to be, but uh, I'm curious to see what you think. Well, he ain't number two as long as Porcello's pitching like this, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird because he started off so well, and obviously everyone was ready to appoint him the David Price of old. Not not of Red Sox old, but of earlier in his of career like old. Tampa Bay old. <laughs> exactly. 
because he had two good starts, and they were like, oh, this is the year, this is the year, he's back. And then, you know, he pitched the one inning against the Yankees, came out after four runs with his finger sensation, and now he's pitched two crapo games in a row. And, I mean, he pitched pretty well two good starts ago, I'll give him that, but he gave up the big three-run homer that ended up losing the game, so he still lost. So that's on him, he gave up four runs. And then in this last start, uh, this weekend against the Rays, gave up five runs in five innings and looked like crap. So... I don't know what to think because, like you said, his walks are high. He's got 14 walks, which is six more than anybody else in the team. That's a pretty big difference for just April. Yep. And, you know, he doesn't have as many strikeouts. He only has 28. Porcello is 38. Sale is 45. So he's not getting the strikeouts. And he has primarily been a strikeout pitcher. He's had a lot of strikeouts throughout his career. Um, and he's given up the most runs, too, on the team. He's given up 14 earned runs. So his ERA is almost four. So... Uh, I really thought he was going to rebound too, but ever since that Yankees game where he came out early, it's concerning. And I think he'll turn it around, but the walks do concern me because he's got half as many walks and strikeouts. That's not a good sign. No. That shows your command's not good. Is there something there with this injury? Like, is it still, or is Tingly Finger still lingering here, or is it just him being David Price? Because I honestly think there might be something to this. Because, yeah, they, they claimed it was the cold, and obviously it would have had something to do with it, but, like, is there a lingering after effect? Is, has he lost his command a little bit because of this? Is he still feeling because of this? Because I think there might be something there. I mean, that's a good reason to not have good command is that you can't feel your fingers, if that is the actual <laughs> If you can't case. feel the baseball, you can't really control it well. Right, exactly. So I hope for his sake that that's what the problem is, that he's just not pitching like crap and doesn't know where he's locating the ball. But then the other question is, is it an elbow thing? You know, is this the same injury that he had and missed most of the season last year because of? So I, that's what I wonder, because is this an injury going to come back? Are we going to find out in a month that he's been pitching like crap because his elbow hurts again? But it makes you wonder, because in the past, when his elbows hurt, they've taken him out like immediately and been like, oh my god, and then he's like, okay, he's okay, or no, he's not okay, he's yeah. going on the DL. So, I don't know, but there's two possible injuries, or maybe no injury, it's hard to know, but if he keeps pitching like this, then he's going to be more like a fourth or fifth starter on the team, not a second. I don't so, think it's an elbow, it's not good. I don't think it's an elbow only because he keeps pitching. Because they've right. been, like you said, they've been pretty, pretty cautious with his elbow. Like, oh, he's going to go in the 10-day DL, and he's out for six months. Like, it's just... <laughs> Dave, if it was his elbow, he wouldn't be on the mound. It's either him just not being good, or it's his fingers lingering, which I almost want to think it's the latter because of how bad it like he claimed he felt. Like, he came out and said, I could not feel my fingers, and apparently that's a prolonged issue he's had in his career, which is ridiculous that the team didn't know about it. But give another month. I, I tell people all the time, you know, you start panicking with offense or pitching, give it give it two months, end of May, middle to end of May, and then if it's really that bad still, then we go, okay, great, let's burn David Price's jersey and never let him pitch again. Like, that, that's where it at. Give it two months, uh, especially where April can be a wild month. Weather-wise, it seems like we're finally turning here in the city as well. So um, the biggest thing for me is the offense because now that the weather's warming up, I expect more home runs. I expect more long balls. And, you know, it's no coincidence as the weather's warmed up, J.D. Martinez has warmed up. Right, you know, there were some balls that he cranked in the cold weather that didn't go far, but you know he's been huge. He had that game-winning um, three-run bomb the other night, and you know there, he's starting to kind of become the hitter that we all expected. The other, the, the rest of them have come down to earth a little bit here, and we'll, we'll talk about the catcher spot specifically because that's a concern for me. But um, overall, this offense is, I don't say sputtering because they've been fine. Um, but J.D. Martinez is really starting to become the cog that we kind of expected um, hitting around Hanley and those guys up in the top of the lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say sputtered either because, as we said, there were some close games. They're not scoring like seven to ten runs like they were. It's more like two to five. So, which it's is still not a great. sustainable model. It is, and you know they won half the games. They were three and three this week, as we mentioned earlier. So it's that's okay. It's good to obviously have a couple of hot hitters, even when the team's not going good as a whole. And that has been JD. He's hitting three thirty with five homers and a team high. 22 RBI at this point. Yes, he strikes out a lot. He has the most strikeouts on the team with 33, but sometimes power hitters strike out a lot. You see that a lot. But, yeah, and I think you got I mean, with, with those strikeout numbers too. They're I would say a little inflated because you could tell he was uncomfortable in the, at the plate for some reason at the beginning right. of the year. A lot of those were pretty much backlogged to the beginning of the year. So I th- I think it, you're going to see those kind of even out a little bit. He will not strike out at the plate as much as your uncle Stan will by any mm-hmm. means. A guy strikes out like as many home runs he hits. It's just ridiculous, but. I think you're seeing why they, this team brought him here, and I think Dave, I'm giving um, Dave Dombrowski a lot of credit. I think people just like, oh, they got J.D. Martinez. Of course they did. But, like, he had to put some work in. It was a long process. It wasn't like they just snapped his fingers, and the next day for agency hit, he was here. Like, Dombrowski waited him out. Dombrowski didn't overpay. Still got his guy, and now it looks like he's comfortable here. He likes his teammates, and it seems like he's becoming a silent leader in this clubhouse. And he's having huge games. I mean, he had a four for five game recently. He was four for four today. Yep. So I mean, he's getting like a ton of hits in a row. And then he'll go on streaks where he goes over seven and strikes out four times. But I mean, you look at the overall numbers: three thirty, twenty-two RBI. I mean, it's thirty-two hits, most hits on the team. He's even got one more hit hit than Betts. So I think that that was a great signing. He's comfortable. Uh, and I've heard that he just like studies his swing endlessly. So I'm sure the strikeout numbers will go down because he'll look at the film, see why he's striking out, and then not do it as much. Like today, four for four. Yeah, he studied you know, his swing before too. I think that's that's kind of how he got so good. He he basically self taught yep. himself so much. He basically was like a film addict, like Tom Brady is. Like it was literally he watched the film constantly, and that's why in that that's that term that time in Arizona last year, that was all based off him studying himself. Um, so if he wants to be a self learner, then by all means, the one spot that hates I hate right now in the offense is the catching spot. Um, there's nothing from Vasquez or Leon right now, and obviously, as I say this, Sandy Leon came up with a big hit today um, right. to win the game. But I'm I'm concerned, but I'm not overwhelmingly like, oh no, what do we do? Because I I am one to value defense over offense at this position more than anything. Um, but my biggest question with the catcher spot is, you know, why is why is Alex Cora is just right away dismissing the idea of like even against some bad teams let Blake Swihart catch um, because we know he can hit the crap out of the ball he still hits the ball um, he kind of got screwed when the Red Sox put him in left field in the first place but this guy's been playing everywhere but his position and as a catcher and he's on this roster why not let him flutter in there a couple games here and there just to get kind of like wait even if it's just to wake these other guys up and be like hey we do have somebody else here who wants to play um, if you guys don't figure it out he can hit yeah, and I mean, he hasn't hit well yet. He's 3-for-20, but he's played so sparingly and so scattered at this point that it's hard to blame him for that. But Sandy Leon, 4-for-31. That's including his game-winning hit today. Vasquez is 13-for-71. He's hitting 183. Leon's 129. Swire's 150. So they all got low averages. Um, I don't know. Sandy's been great at times, and he obviously hit like crazy that time uh, a couple of years ago. But... Is his defense worth his absolute lack of offense? I feel like he'd be better off with just Vasquez and Swihart, and obviously Vasquez isn't any either. 
but he's obviously a really good casher. So interesting that he's fallen off after they gave him that contract. I hope that he can pull it back together, but I'm starting to wonder if Leon's worth his defense when you also have Swihart who needs somewhere to play. Why, well, why not try him a catcher? And their in their future, his future really is determined by those two guys, right? Like if he's going to be with the Red mm-hmm. Sox, it, someone has to be bad. If not, they might. They, Swihart's a prime trade candidate at the deadline, right? If they need something, and these two guys are they, they believe they're formidable enough to handle the duties behind the plate, Swihart might not be here after the trade deadline, which would be unfortunate because they basically have a guy who could do any anything for you. If it was me, I would have let Vasquez and Swihart be the catching kind of tandem this year. Um, but I think you know. Some guys on the staff have a nice relationship with Sandy, especially Rick Porcello, and I don't think they wanted to mess with that. But at the same time, if you think Vasquez is your guy, which you do, you paid him, you gave him an extension, then why not see what you have with Swihart? Um, and you had to know that Leon was going to fall off because his career numbers were like Sandy Leon is not as good as that, that, the, the massive amounts of hits he had. Like He was right. just playing it up. It, there was, we all knew that. And now it's just like, right. okay, you could have traded that dude. You could have traded Sandy Leon. And got a crap ton for him, way over value. When, when he was, was hitting happening. like three fifty, he was yeah. hitting three fifty with ding dongs and RBIs, and it was everything. Yeah. And yeah. now it's always oh, crap. Oh, now we're not going to trade. Now you're, ne- you're never going to get value for Sandy now. No, you just have to get rid of him at this point. Who's going to take a one twenty nine hitter? Yes, he's a good catcher, but there's other good catches in the league. But see, even so. if he heats up, like even if he got good again, like no one's going to go. Oh, now we want him. Like, what was he now? Last time he was good. It's always oh, just going to fall off again. Why am I going to trade for that guy? Right, they're just going to look at his career 205 average and be like, nope. <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, it's absolutely stupid. So, um, the catching spot's a concern. Again, end of May is when I'll really start criticizing um, because you get a couple months into the belt. And again, Vasquez is my guy, and I think he's your catcher. And like I said, I value defense a lot more at that position because it's more important as a catcher to be better defensively than offensively. If you can't stop a ball, you can't throw guys out. I don't care how well you can hit, you shouldn't be behind the plate. Um, and, and Vasquez can do that, so I think, rightfully so, he is the guy, but... I, I wouldn't hate to see Blake Swire get some time behind the plate um, because Sandy Leon right now isn't. I know again he hit the game winner, but Vasquez Swihart was always that tandem to me, and I'm surprised they haven't gone to that. But we'll kind of see over time. Um, last thing with the Red Sox before we go around the league, uh, Drew Pomeranz. There's been a report out there, and I read it more because of Evan Drellick on NBC Sports Boston. Uh, question of just the fact that was has Drew Pomeranz been tipping his pitches? Um, don't want to go too deep into this because we don't know anything much yet. But the reason why they're th- saying this is because. Um, in his Friday night start, he threw 81 pitches, and most of them were curves. Um, so, usually with his curveball, we all know um, he's a very big strikeout guy. He get he he a lot of whiffs with his curveball. Not one whiff that entire night. It looked like they were ready for the curveball. Um, so the biggest question is: Is he tipping pitches? We saw Erod have that problem, and it didn't help him. And they had to figure that out. They they, they say they're going to go watch the tape. They're going to go pay close attention to it, but. If this is happening, Jess, they need to nip it in the butt because we saw how long it took Erod to fix that problem, and it affected almost half the season, a lot of the starts at least, because of that tipping issue. Well, it's interesting because Pomerantz still has 11 strikeouts in his two starts, I guess just not with the curveball, according to that. So uh, I hope he's tipping his pitches because if he's just pitching this crappy, that's obviously a concern because he's given up 11 hits and 7 runs three of those being home runs and just his two starts he's got a 727 era so i hope he's tipping his pitches because obviously he was a fantastic pitcher last year he was 17 and 6 with a 332 era so this guy can be huge for you especially if porcello's pitching this well you got a dominant pitching rotation so i hope that he is and i hope they figure it out because i'd feel a lot better about that than just having him give up 
seven runs and two starts and yeah. have that be have there be nothing wrong you know tipping pitches is a lot easier to fix than like injury or crap. mechanics or right. something like that or just not pitching well like it's a lot easier to fix tipping than what David Price has been doing. You know, it's just right. I'm hoping it's that, like you're saying, Jess. And I think you know what we saw him do last year. I don't think that was a fluke. I think that's why they brought him here in the first place, because they, they knew he could do that. Um, I think he's healthy. I don't think it's an injury thing. I, I, I believe this. When, when anything at all comes out about tipping pitches, I believe it because who's going to lie about their tipping pitches? Like, it makes the pitcher look bad. Why would you be like, yeah, oh, tipping you, pitches? Oh yeah, <laughs> I think he's tipping his pitches. He's not hurt okay, that means the pitcher sucks and you're just straight up t- like, you know what I mean? So, and with the, when right. Erod was doing it, it was the same thing. I'm like, I, he, I, he probably is good. That's fine. But like, stop it. Right. Just and don't he do was, it. So, and he was, and that, that was, the case. I, they would know, there's no way anyone would be stupid enough to lie. Yeah. I think he's tipping pitches. Okay. And then you're going to put him in the DL a week later. Cause he was tipping his pitches. Like there, they, they'd be, any team would be stuck with their pants down. If they were lying about tipping pitches, because there's no correlation. It's either, He's tipping pitches and you fix it, but if you say he's tipping pitches and then put him on the DL five days later, you know it really wasn't the tipping of the pitches. He got hurt. They might say, oh, yeah, yeah, he got hurt today. We're going to put him on the DL. No, he was hurt a week ago. Don't lie about his tipping pitches. Right. There's no point in making that an excuse if, if, if you don't have to. It's so stupid. It's just, just, it's just dumb. It'd, so. Yeah, it'd be so dumb. You know what's not and dumb, though, Jess? It's draft. Draft? <laughs> draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's definitely draft. And it's fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys on draft. You play snake draft with other people, just like in your season-long leagues. Draft lasts just for one night, and you're once you're done drafting, that's it. And no trades, no waiver wire. You set it and forget it. And the best part, of course, is you're playing for that cold, hard cash, and you're getting paid on the next day. Draft start from just one buck. So there's draft for everyone. Jess and I use it. Um, I actually did a draft the other day. Um, oh, sweet, I draft. I was able to draft JD Martinez. It really helped me. I won a couple bucks thanks to JD. Uh, <laughs> shouts out to the boy there at Fenway. But um, no, Jess. Ever since we brought draft on, I checked it out a little bit, and uh, you know I'm loving it. It's fast. It's easy, um, and they do. It's nice when guys are hurt or games get postponed. Whether it's that time of year, weather's a problem. Uh, they do let they do let you know, and they can you can sub people out as well. Yeah, it's awesome, and I I, uh, I noted this last week uh, with Lauren as well. Um, like if you happen to, you know, if you do it and you use the promo code that Jared's about to tell you about, um, and you and you play and you run out of money because you don't you don't do as well as you wanted, they also have free drafts as well where you don't pay anything and you don't get anything, but you can just draft and have fun with it. I've done a couple of those just for fun too, just because I'm like I don't I don't feel like spending the money right now, but I can do it for free and still have fun and mm-hmm. see if I can do well. So I like that they have the aspect of the free thing because it's not like well if you don't want to spend the money then you can't do it. You still can. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's nice, too. If you feel like you're in a rut on draft and you want to just kind of get 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 the right. practice down, get the strategy down, it's a great way to do that without spending a dime as well. And then when you feel confident, throw a couple bucks in there, and boom, you're a rich person. Look at that. Uh, join us on draft today, of course. Search, just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. And for a limited time only, here comes that promo code Jess was talking about. It's all Red Sox beat listeners. Get a free entry into Real Money Baseball Draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use that promo code, which is Red Sox beat all one word. That's right. A play a real money game for free just for using our promo code Red Sox beat when you make your first deposit. Search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code Red Sox beat. So you can play one of those money games for free. It's like the best of both worlds. Test it out, get a feel for it, and if you win that one time with Red Sox fit, you'll be able to get some cash as well. So definitely use that promo code. Go check out Draft. They're phenomenal. Um, and moving on, you know, before we get out of here, we like to go around the league a little bit. Looking at the division, Jess, you know, 
as a whole, it's coming back to where we thought it was, right? Yankees are in second now. They're playing hot. They have eight wins in a row. Um, Orioles suck. They're terrible. They're they're garbage. I wouldn't be surprised if Machado's gone at the deadline, to be honest. Like, mm. for, for a contender who might want him, maybe the Yankees trade for him and then they can convince him to sign. You know what I mean? So, which would be terrible for us, but um, Machado probably will not be there second half of the season. I'd be shocked. Um, so they're playing poorly, but the two teams that are playing well are the Rays, who have won eight straight, so they might not be terrible. Um, it looks like the, the Orioles might be the seller dwellers this year. Um, but the Toronto Blue Jays, like, they are coming out of nowhere. And Jess, I'm intrigued to see what your take on this is because with the roster they have, no one really expected this team to be as good as they were, say, a couple years ago when they were making that deep run, right? When they went to the ALCS, they were a couple of games away from the World Series. They fell off. They lost Encarnacion. Joey Bats isn't there anymore, who was pretty overrated anyway. But now you have a team who's a little younger, but they're still playing well. They have some talent on this roster, and they were in second for a while. They're, they might be right there with you, you and the Yankees the, the whole way through. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they keep it up because they kind of just came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, after they beat the Red Sox the first game of that three-game series this week, they were only they were only like two and a half games behind the Sox. Yep. They've lost a couple since the Sox beat them twice, obviously, and uh, now they're down to 15 and 12. But I mean, they've they seem to really figure something out and uh, be rolling there for a while. So I'm really interested to see if they can keep it up because obviously people don't expect them to. People didn't necessarily expect them to be there in the first place. But, I mean, they played close competitive games against Boston. All three games were one-run games. So I am fascinated, especially because the Sox will be playing them a lot of times, as they do with all division opponents. So I'm fascinated to see if they can keep this up and stick around with the Sox and Yankees. Uh, And then the Rays, too, I'm interested because – Obviously, the Sox beat them six out of the first seven games and put them in a real deep hole real fast. And then the Rays went on and lost a couple more games, and they were like three and twelve or whatever they were at that point. Mm -hmm. And then up until today, where the Sox came back and won four to three, the Rays had won eight games in a row, and they beat the Sox two out of three. So maybe they're not the doormats that people thought they were at the beginning of the season. (laughs) I mean, their their bullpen day things kind of working pretty well, and they've got a couple guys that have started well and their offense doesn't seem to be terrible terrible denard spans playing really well um with his gray beard and all so right i I like that they're doing something because people just assume they were terrible because the Sox beat them a bunch at the beginning and now they're right back in it and i read that they are the first team in major league history to have an eight game losing streak and an eight game winning streak before may 1st it's crazy think about that's that much. That's wild. Yeah, that's a, it's a it's a weird situation. And then you look at the Yankees now. Just they are two and a half games back of the Sox. Uh, they we go to New York May eighth, ninth, and tenth. So we're playing the Bronx Bombers again um, after our series with Kansas City and Texas, um, which should be two pretty favorable matchups for the Red Sox. They're both terrible. They're both yeah. terrible. So going into that Yankee series, we see how the Yankees are playing. They're nine and one in their last ten games here. So. Is this the Yankees team now? Are they, are they figuring it out? Are they back to where we expected? Um, or is this something that they're catching a hot streak? Because this is who we thought. And Didi Gregorius has been their best player. They can't spell their own player's name right on their promotion night. They spelled Gregorius wrong, but which is hilarious. That is great. But he has been their best player. Are, is this as advertised now for the Yanks, or, or, or what's going on there now? Because now, now they are winning games now. Well, it's what people thought. I mean, they, they took care of the Angels. They won the first two, and they're ahead right now during recording. Uh, and they swept the Twins in four games and beat the Blue Jays for two. So I like to see them play a couple more tough teams, like maybe Houston, teams like that, 
because as you know, I'm not going to give the Yankees any more credit than I have to. So yeah. I'm going to say they're on a little uh, a little hot streak here, and they're going to lose a little bit and fall a little back back down. But I hate that they've won eight in a row because I was yeah. really enjoying when they were losing. Seriously, I think we all were. Um, and, <laughs> and you look at the Red Sox too. You know, you come off that Angel series, you lose two out of three to Oakland. Then you come back, bounce back against a hot team in Toronto, and then you lose two out of three to the terrible Tampa Bay Rays, even though they've been playing phenomenal as of late, so you caught them at a bad time. Um, you have three games against Kansas City and four against Texas. You expect to kind of hopefully have some separation here in this division um, after once you get to that Yankees series. Um, that's the biggest thing for me in the division is that. And then you go to the AL Central, and just everyone is terrible. And I know we wanted to talk about this just because of, like, like Jess, the, the teams are bad, and whoever wins this division, it's going to be in the 80s probably for wins. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's embarrassing, even, even though I know Cleveland, it's only a month. Like Cleveland, too. Like, they're 14 and 12. They've really not played well. No. They've been very average. They've had horrible offense. They've only scored 95 runs, which is not much. The Red Sox, for comparison, have scored 149, which, if you can't add, is a 54 <laughs> run difference so cleveland's at first at 14 and 12 and then the tigers are second and 11 and 15 the twins after getting four games swept by the yankees are nine and 14 white Sox are eight and 18 and those kansas city royals we're about to see uh tomorrow are seven and 20 that's embarrassing to me because it's like when your entire division is that bad it's just like it sticks out so much because you always have at least like two maybe three teams that are at least decent but like the second place team is four games under five hundred. That's pathetic. So yeah. it's embarrassing for the division. It's embarrassing for the league that they're all that bad. And I I don't know if we expected all those teams to be that bad. I think the Twins are a surprise. Um, I know the Tigers weren't supposed to be great, but eleven to fifteen is pretty average. And then like you said, the Indians, who everyone expected to be good, is barely above five hundred, and they can't seem to hit anything. So I think it's pathetic. Two other things I want to ask and go to the NL real quick before we get out of here, Jess, because I look at the NL and. The one big shocker to me is the Dodgers, right? Yeah. They're, they're 12 and 15, seven games back of those wonderful, wonderful Tori Lavula-led Arizona Diamondbacks. Love them. Um, who are 19-8. So the Dodgers are, the, are not doing well. The Pirates are off to a hot start. And of all teams, the Phillies and the Braves, both are 16 and 11, only a game and a half back of the Mets. So let's start with those guys, Phillies and Braves. What is going? The Phillies aren't supposed to be this good. I know they got Jake Arrieta, and I know um, like they've been bad for a while. But what, this is, seems pretty sustainable right now. What they're doing? Yeah, I think that. I mean, all of a sudden, like two weeks in, people are starting to talk about the Phillies like as like a good team and a team that should be like reckoned with. And I'm like the Phillies, and I looked at their record, and they were like seven games over 500. And I was like, okay, maybe so. I'm 16 and 11. They've you know, 126 runs. They seem to have a pretty good offense. They play well at home. They're 11 and five at home, and they're playing in a tough division, as you said. The Mets are 17 and nine. The Braves are 16 and 11. Also, so the Nationals are 12 and 16 of all teams. So they're playing some good competition as well. So I like seeing teams that people think are going to be crappy when they're actually good. And same with the Braves, 16 and 11. So I, I'm interested to see if they can keep it up because you know it happens sometimes where teams are really good in, in April and then they fall apart. So that could happen. But as of right now, I mean, three teams with 16, 16, and 17 wins—that seems like the division to uh, to be looking at at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And then just touch on the Dodgers real quick, and then we'll get out of here um, for the week. It seems to me, Jess, by what I'm reading and what I've seen with the Dodgers, because they're they're terrible right now, and, and at least in the Dodgers' eyes, they're just not trying. 
like Cody Bellinger was pulled today for not hustling against the Giants. Like he just pulled because he didn't hustle. And mm. there really no was no spark against the Giants. And the Giants aren't a bad team. I think they have a roster, and once they get their pitching healthy and back, um, they could be a formidable team this year, right? So uh, it is an even-numbered year. So um, <laughs> what do you make of the Dodgers situation? Are they bored? Are they not trying because they just think they're going to get handed to them? This team is a lot better than their – at least talent-wise than their record is, but it seems to me that just like there is no energy, there's no spark, there's no leadership, um, and guys are getting pulled from even hustling. Yeah, it's like they seem like content to have all those wins last year and you know and get to the World Series. So um, I'm surprised they pinched Bellinger for for uh, not hustling, but I mean he leads their team in average with 291. So clearly they're not getting much in the way of offense. Yasmani Grandal leads in home runs with four. I mean what's going on there? So. Uh, yeah, I'd be concerned if I were them because you're not going to get a division handed to you, as you said, because the Diamondbacks are 19-8 and eight, and you just lost three out of four to the Giants. If you get off to a really bad start, that can last for a long time. So Nationals and Dodgers, 12-16 and 16 and 12-15, and 15, both in fourth place. Uh, those are supposed to be two of the best teams in the league, according to prognosticators. So uh, I love our early season stuff. I know it's a month, but... I like seeing how the stuff unfolds because, as you said, after May's over, after two months, if this stuff's still happening, it might be time to start getting concerned about it. Exactly. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's just prick the week real quick, Jess, here. Um, three at home against Kansas City, looking to have the best start in franchise history uh, and first team to 21 wins if they win on a Monday, April 30th. Uh, and then on the road it goes, I'm on the road for like a week or so. Um, More week and a half. Week and a half. Yeah. yeah, four against Texas, and we'll talk. And then the Yankees start the week after. So um, three against Kansas City at home, four against Texas on the road. Let's start the Kansas City series, Jess. Um, you have Erod, Sale, and Pomeranz slated to start those three games uh, Wednesday's uh, one o'clock afternoon start. So what do you make of this series, and what's the uh, the old prediction? Well, I think this is a perfect series to uh, get back in the swing of things. You know, three and three week this week was uh, obviously a lot worse than they've done the rest of the season because they're 20-7. and seven. So, perfect series, a nice home series to get back into the swing of things against a crap team. So, 100% sweep. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen because Kansas City's 7-20. and 20. Yeah. I, that, mean, ag- that means something. I'm agreeing with Kansas City's sweep. Uh, they're home, which is even better, right? Um, Erod's been phenomenal. Sales, sale. And then I think this is a good this is a good start in the afternoon for Pomeranz to kind of mm-hmm. figure it out. Good after kind of watch the film, see if he's tipping. It's a good lineup now with the lack of offense they have um, to yes. figure it out. So I think that'll be a good start for Pomeranz. Sweep there. Then you go four against Texas, who also is garbage. Um I'm saying sweep here, Jess. You're going seven and zero. You have Price, Porcello, but look at the starters you have against Texas. It's Price, it's Porcello, it's Erod, and it's Sale. And Sale, yeah, that's true. So Pomeranz for me is the wild card because of the tipping and because of other situations. You might not be ready to go 100 percent yet. I trust those other four guys, even David Price, to be the Texas Rangers the way the Texas Rangers are playing, and that's the way I look at it. Offense aside, I trust those guys to take care of the lineup. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm interested that Cole Hamels is only one and four this year for the Rangers. That's something to look at. Uh, I'm going three out of four. Uh, it's hard to sweep a four-game series, especially on the road. I know Texas is not good. They have a bad record. They're last in their division, so a sweep wouldn't surprise me. And a seven and zero week, going twenty-seven and seven, would be uh, 
it would shut everybody up who was starting to doubt them after this week. So it'd be good for the team's morale and for people to stop talking about them. But I got six and one. That's still good. I'll take twenty six and eight. That's a darn good record. So oh yeah, uh, it's it's a great week to take advantage of subpar opponents. So I am going to look forward to it, and it's going to be fun. Cole Hamels has a four four one ERA. 39 strikeouts, 138 whip, and it looks like he hasn't gotten past, he hasn't gotten out of well, he got past six inning a couple times, um, only getting like an out in the seventh. So it's been fifth and sixth inning outings for him, um, throwing a good amount of pitches, 107, 106, 80s and 90s for not getting into the seventh inning. So because um, he should be their best pitcher in theory. Oh, in theory, but, yes, um, but he's not. That's at not. The moment. So. Right. Um, seems like it might be a command issue, throwing a lot of pitches, not getting deep in games, and uh, hopefully Red Sox can take advantage of that. So uh, there you go. I have him going undefeated, seven and zero, baby, going into the Yankee series. Just has him going six and one. Either way, not a bad week. Um, and a good week to take advantage of. I know it's early, and I say it all the time, but this is this is a big week to kind of take advantage of, get back, right the ship here, get into a little bit of a win streak, get the offense going, and, and ride into New York on a high high power offense because that series in New York is going to be fun. Um, both these teams starting to play well again uh, off of what happened to Fenway. Yankees fans are relentless, we know, so uh, they'll uh, it'll be some fun over there in New York. So we'll leave it at that. We'll be back next week. Again, shout out to Lauren. We love her. She's going bigger and better things at Nesson, uh, being full-time in the gig. So for Jess Thomas and Jared Scali kicking it old school here, it's been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media.